You're listening to the Maximum Advisor Podcast, a show that empowers financial advisors to set goals, take action, and grow their practice. Your host, Chip Munn, is an award-winning advisor and CEO whose advice is regularly featured in Business Insider, Thrive Global, and The Streets Retirement Daily. Listen in as he sits down with industry experts to talk about building a practice and making an impact. Welcome back to Maximum Advisor. I'm your host, Chip Munn, and today I'm joined by Julie Littlechild. Julie is the founder and CEO of Absolute Engagement and the host of the Becoming Referrable podcast. Julie, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Good to talk to you. Absolutely. So, Julie, for our audience, tell us a little bit about you and how you got here today. Well, I didn't have far to go today, obviously, because we're all stuck at home. <laughs> oh, you didn't mean literally, did you? For sure. <laughs> I have been working with uh, financial advisors for the best part of 25 years, so have always worked in this space. The business has morphed and changed uh, to some extent over the years, really based on the needs uh, that we saw. But our focus is very much on helping advisors to integrate the voice of the client in their business so that they can communicate in a way that is personalized and meaningful and helps to drive deeper engagement and ultimately growth. Well, I certainly think that these days growth is is something that all of us need in a very different way, right? We've had the benefit of a 10-year bull market until recently. And now I think that anybody who was hoping to grow based just on upticks in the market and kind of get an annual raise that way uh, is going to have to look for something completely different. So your company, Absolute Engagement, focuses on what the name says, engaging clients. What does that mean? What does it look like? Well, the way that we go about it, I'm happy to talk about, but the concept of engagement, which is really where everything stems from, was born of the ongoing investor research that we do. So every year we go out, we talk to investors across the country about what's on their minds and what they need and want and expect. And the concept of engagement in in our world actually goes back to uh, the last economic crisis. Perhaps interesting timing to be talking about it because what we noticed when we were doing investor research at the time was that there was a group of clients who, despite what was going on in the market, still felt deeply engaged with the relationships, still recognized the value that their advisors delivered. And there were others who did not, where satisfaction almost worked in lockstep with investment performance. And it was when we saw it in the data so clearly, we thought we've got to understand this and have literally sort of dedicated ourselves to understanding what's the difference when clients feel deeply engaged and continue to see that value. So I would have to think that part of that is, and again, playing into the podcast, is that the more engaged we're able to get clients, the more likely they are to not only do more business or stay with us in times when, you know, performance is difficult, they're also more likely to refers to a friend or family member. When you look at the research, are these clients happier? What constitutes engagement? Well, you know, from a research perspective, the way that we attacked this was to say, what's the outcome that reflects the most 
positivity for clients and for advisors. That is to say, you know, what's the proxy that we're looking for? And so engagement is defined largely by a combination of satisfaction and referral activity. So those clients who are engaged by definition are those who feel great about the relationship, but not just good about the relationships. They are advocates for their advisor. They feel so deeply about it. And from there, we reverse engineer really to say, okay, well, what creates a client like that? What's really interesting though, when you dig in is when you look at those clients who are engaged, so obviously they're referring because that's part of the definition, but share of wallet is higher loyalty is higher. What we might think of as almost price sensitivity is lower. That is to say, they tend to place greater value on the advice that they receive from their advisor. But the other part of it is they feel more confident and they feel a greater sense of clarity. So that's why it became so important to us to understand because it's not just good for the business, it's good for the client. For sure. So you mentioned having kind of come at this after the last financial crisis. So it is mm -hmm. incredibly timely for us to be having this conversation. When you look back at the last financial crisis and you looked into how clients became or felt engaged, what were mm -hmm. some of the things, because again, I think there's the things that we can be doing now, right? What were some of the things that advisors did? Let's start on the other side that they did wrong? How did they leave clients in the wind or unengaged? Well, I think the obvious ways that happened is just purely by lack of contact, which is not just letting fear take hold and hiding under the proverbial desk at a time when clients had questions. But, you know, in fairness, I think that's pretty obvious. If that happens, clients are going to remember that. What we began to notice at that time and then validated year after year after year is that there was something of a path from what we think of as mere satisfaction to profound engagement, if you will. So can we look at about 72 to 75 different aspects of the relationship? So there's a ton of data, but it really boils down to something fairly simple. So if we look at that path, it starts with just good service, right? making good on your promises, calling clients, not making too many mistakes, you know, all of the things that we might expect. Moving up, the next level was really about having the right offer. We did see a, a quite and continue to see a fairly enduring connection, for example, between financial planning and engagement because it is more holistic. You're dealing more with some of the fundamentals. At the very top of the pyramid, and this is what has been really interesting to me because I found myself coming back to this term of leadership and when I went back, it's what we were talking about at that time. The secret sauce, if you will, the fundamental difference was that advisors who had engaged clients were more likely to be seen as a leader, were more likely to be seen as providing active guidance, were you know walking with their clients, helping them make the difficult decisions. And, and I would add to that, communicating with them in a way that reflects their needs at the time not just the message the advisor wants to send. So, you know, to your question, I mean, if we kind of unfold all that, then I think what was being done wrong, if you can call it, because clients were still fairly satisfied, but they weren't engaged because the advisor was just saying, look, hold tight, things will be fine. Don't worry. 
you know, they were managing the money, but maybe not managing everything else that went with it. And so back then, and again, I, I think that, uh, look, people are scared right now. I, I mean, yeah. I talk to people all day uh, yeah. that are afraid. And right now, it's not just about the money. I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that as we're recording this, we have had a rally, but people are nervous about the money. But right now, they're also worried that they're going to get sick. And every day, yeah. you're seeing new information or somebody famous or somebody that you know. And so I think there's a lot of different kinds of fear, but that's not necessarily different in a way to the both financial and then the bank crisis of 2008. So when you talk to folks back then, what were, when you're talking about having the right offer, what were mm -hmm. those folks looking for? What what was the the kind of offer, the kind of conversation that advisors were having that was successful rather than just that they were running the money conversation? Well, I mean, some of it we saw at the time quantitatively, but I would say as much as anything, we've seen this over many years, these differences. It wasn't unique to that time. It's just that that's when we noticed it in the data. So the differences that we're seeing with advisors who are focused on engagement is those that are putting money in context, if you will, understanding that it is a means to an end, trying to tease out what is on the client's mind at that time, not making assumptions. It's very easy for very smart people who give very good advice to want to lead with that. But the reality is that leadership right now is about trying to ask good questions and to pull that out. I mean, I can tell you, you mentioned that the markets rallied. I haven't even looked at that today, but I can tell you that I just heard that our schools are going to be closed for another month at a minimum, just about an hour ago. <laughs> now, if you ask me what's on my mind, it's how am I going to run my business with a 10-year-old at home <laughs> for another month? And ensure he gets a good education. You know, so these are our realities. And, and I believe that great advisors not only need to understand those things, because otherwise I'm not hearing what you're saying, but can provide meaningful support, can try to link clients to resources, you know, don't have to become the experts, but can be that facilitator that helps them find the information that they need on health or schooling or community or whatever it is right now that's on their mind. So let's stay with that for a minute, because I think that you would qualify for a lot of people as an ideal client. Let's tease out a few other mm -hmm. things that might be on, because I think that's crucial right now. So as a business owner and yeah. a parent, should advisors be, because in a lot of cases, I mean, we're all in the same boat, you know, dealing with how we're going to manage a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. As an advisor, what kinds of conversations do you feel like we should be having if we wanted to to engage our clients, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or kind of en masse, you know, on a more scalable fashion? Mm -hmm. What other kinds of things do you feel like would be helpful? Well, I mean, there's certain topics, I think, like you say, that would be helpful to provide support on. But just going back to your point on the conversation, one of the things that we've been uh, recommending to advisors is to, and, and it sounds obvious and quite simple when we say this, but to just start by understanding how they're feeling at the moment. Now, when we look at the research, 
we are seeing dips, not surprisingly, in things like confidence in their financial future, their sense of financial security, their sense of control that they have over their financial lives. And and I think that's where we need to start to understand how they're feeling right now so that you can have the right conversation. But otherwise, I, I was uh, I interviewed Bob Varis for something recently and he talked about, you know, this whole concept of the lizard brain. And, you know, the fact is that we don't hear what you're telling us unless you've helped me break through what's really on my mind right now. So I think the conversations have to change. But but beyond that, when we think about what content do we share with our clients right now? What kind of information do we send them? What kind of resources are we looking for? I think with business owners, it's, I mean, it's huge right now. Don't tell me there's a small to mid-sized business owner out there who is fundamentally worried about the future of their business. And when you're worried about the future of your business, you're worried about your home and your family and, you know, everything that is going. Add to that, you know, there may be things with women who are the the primary breadwinners in the household and bringing in a whole new level of stress. There are issues, I think, associated with continuity planning that have been very practical that have come out of this for certainly ourselves and a lot of business owners. You know, you see the gaps all of a sudden. (laughs) You start saying, huh, what if I got sick and have I done everything that I needed, even with personal wills right now? I think of myself as terribly organized. I mean, I paid my lawyer enough for it. And yet there are gaps there that I've been thinking more and more about. So there's just all of the, now I don't think advisors can overnight suddenly focus on every problem that their clients have, but if you can at least name them, name the fear, name the anxiety, help them move through it, and then maybe find resources to help them, then you're demonstrating value. I think that you hit on a couple of them that all of a sudden being the breadwinner or just the pressure that that yeah. you're right. I, I think for yeah, you know, as an independent practice, I mean, all of a sudden, really quick, it becomes payroll, it becomes yep. benefits, it becomes layoffs. I'd be curious to see how many people, what the uptick is in the number of people who've Googled the word furlough to figure out legally exactly what <laughs> that is and <laughs> and how it works. That today. Right? Yeah. Uh, because you go through a period where you're just drowning in it. And, and I think there, there are a lot of people who are in that place now that are just drowning with information, yeah. data. So when it comes to really reaching out, how hard do you push down on things like fear? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the last thing you want to do for folks who haven't been laid off is talk about, the, or maybe you, you should. I mean, is that the kind of thing that draws clients closer to you? when you bring up things that are could really be a, a real risk, even though they're scary? I absolutely think, I think this is what will set advisors apart right now. We all need this hand, right? Somebody to reach out. And when you are running a business or you're a successful corporate executive and you've built some success in your life, there's not that many people, right? You're usually the one reaching out and helping people. And I think opening the door, you know, it's done with depth, but uh, that's why I like to start with just questions that just sort of tap into what they're feeling right now. So if somebody says, no, 
I'm good. Like I feel really secure. I feel, you know, you're only going to push so far unless they're literally, you know, crying while they're saying that, you don't believe them. But what a powerful thing to be able to just be that hand that reaches out to be the ear that somebody has when they are feeling that pressure. Because you think about, you know, we're talking about business owners a lot, but it's not just that business owners are dealing with those things, but they have to go into the office, well, the virtual office, and be that leader that their team needs, right? Be the optimist, be the cheerleader. And so it's an enormous amount of pressure. And I would say, you know, parents are in the same position. It's not just business owners where you're feeling that and you need to get up and send the right message. So we need this right now. So if you were an advisor, knowing what you know, mm -hmm. how often, and I actually have a virtual meeting with my advisory board tomorrow, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to ask them too. Yeah. How often should advisors be communicating with clients? I mean, we're obviously not going to call every person every day. Yeah. I don't know that they would want to talk to me every day right. because I, d I don't necessarily have that many new things to carry on a long conversation about. But when it comes to email, whatever, you have compliance approved text messaging or whatever, mm -hmm. how often is too often? Well, what's that mix in your opinion? I guess both normally, right? I mean, if we were in a, a normal period of time mm -hmm. and how would that compare to a time like this? Well, you may find this with your advisory board. I think we have to be careful about the question we ask because I'm not sure that the question is how often do you want to hear from me? And I don't even know if they could answer this question, but how often would you like to hear from me with the information that's relevant to what's on your mind right now? There's a limit to how often I want to hear generalized messages that things are going to be okay or to wash my hands. I mean, I do have some limits there. But if I tell you that I'm laser focused on helping my team communicate or whatever it is, and you send me something each week with a link to a new resource, I'm going to be fine with that because it's relevant. Right. I think what might be missing for a lot of people trying to think of the right communications is how do I understand what these clients want and then give them the communications they need. So, you know, normally I would say the same thing. It's all about relevance. I mean, I would be blogging right now. I would be posting material. I would be inviting clients to tell me what they need. I would be sharing that information. People can always opt out, you know, if it's genuine, if it's authentic and it's helpful, uh, nobody's going to mind that right now. So this would be a good time though, perhaps to, if, if you haven't already, to look at some different kinds of segmentations in your clients. I, I think that historically we've all been taught bronze, silver, gold, right. platinum, or ABCD, we've all been taught to segment our business. Mm -hmm. But usually, and some folks may have a more advanced CRM or, or whatever, mm -hmm. but for me, I'm, I'm just thinking about a spreadsheet that I have with all of my clients' names on it. I could almost just rearrange those because I do feel like I know them fairly well between conversations over the last few weeks and over the last 20 years yep. to say, these are the people who would have young kids at home. Yep. These are the people who would be dealing with, whether they talk about it right now or not, the pressure of, am I going to be able to keep my business open? Mm -hmm. Or of having to be the leader of a division when there are going to be, 
I think that we as advisors at a minimum, right, could go through our business and estimate Mm -hmm. who ought to be on those lists and then begin rather than send. And we may still have a broader once a week, things are going to be okay. But then with each of these different segments, just a, a little short something to say, hey, here's something that might be applicable to you. I know you're leading a team or I know you have your kids at home. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in fact, we've, you know, part of the things that we do with advisors is give them the tools to uh, to ask clients those questions so that you don't even have to segment. But I think you're exactly right. I mean, the need to segment based on the value of the relationship, it doesn't go away because it has always been done to drive the scope of the relationship. And that doesn't change. It's a business. What we're talking about, we often think of as almost secondary segmentation, which is more about client need. And it's more important now than ever. So you could look at target audience, you could look at business owners or by age or profession or parents, as you said. And I would just caution us to, you know, pick maybe one or two that are particularly important in a client base. Otherwise, your head can start spinning around trying to do this. But if you had one or two segments and you spent some time researching two or three topics that might be helpful and just share those resources. I mean, you've done something, right? And you've connected it back to something unique about them. It doesn't feel like just a mass communication all the time. So is that when you guys are working with the practice, Mm -hmm. is that what absolute engagement is? Is it that intense personalization of communication? Probably more so now than it's ever been. I mean, uh, when we're looking at client feedback broadly, that can be about the client experience. It can be about the way you communicate. It can be about a whole range of issues, but it was not an easy day when I had to say, would I recommend our core program right now to an advisor? And I had to say, no, not in the current form. It's not the time to go out and ask, you know, what's our service level? You know, it's not appropriate. That's not what they're thinking about. But it is the best time to go out and ask how clients are feeling and to then tie that to communication. So, yeah, we've taken everything that we've done. It's trying to make what we were just talking about a little easier, understanding what's on the minds of clients and then being able to hit a button and, and send some good, solid, curated content to them. Well, I think there's, again, no better thing for us to be doing right now. You touched on leadership, Mm -hmm. and I'd like to just circle back to that for one minute. When you think about what that means as an advisor, Mm -hmm. what does leadership mean in the context of the advisor-client relationship? You know, a couple of things. The first time we asked about this many years ago, just asked, do you see your advisor as a leader? I didn't even define what it was. I was just curious. And it was so highly correlated with engagement that we continued to go back and try to tease that out. The next year, we asked a more open-ended question, what does leadership mean to you? And the most common word used in an open-ended, unaided question is guidance. And the three that really rose to the top were guidance, expertise, and proactivity. And so, you know, I think that expertise, I'd like to think we could assume it was there. I hope we can. The guidance and proactivity is really about taking your clients by the hand and guiding them through 
what is going on here. A very quick example, and this is, has nothing to do with the current situation, but it struck me at the time I was listening to an advisor talk. And he, like many people, targeted clients who were moving into retirement. This isn't a new target segment. And a lot of advisors said they did. And a lot of advisors were very good at the planning part of it and all of the technical work associated with that. But what he did was he wrote a really short book and it spoke to the four phases that people go through in retirement. And it was more about mindset. That was a demonstration of leadership. It was saying, I know what you're going to experience and I'm not a therapist, but I can help you and guide you through that process. And would you think now that that discussion of mindset is appropriate because as you were talking, it kind of dawned on me for people who are already retired right now, because it seems to me like things are different. I mean, even if you were kind of already retired, you've got a renewed set of, I don't know about you, Julie, I've found different things are important. Yes. I'm just talking about me. I've had a major shift for me about what's important and about what I need versus what I want. I think my wants will probably have changed. Yep. You know, I think I mentioned to you one other time about 20% different. Yeah. And I think that even, I mean, would you agree? Even our retired clients, I think, could benefit from that conversation of mindset now. Absolutely. I think we all change in this kind of situation. It's, you know, funny, I just wrote a blog post where, just a quick exercise in it. And it was sort of what we're talking about here. You know, what are the five things that we're doing differently now that we want to continue? And it, it picks up a bit on a conversation that we had because it felt like a time to pause. And that felt like a good thing to even share with clients, right? To help them have that conversation because it's a bit of positivity in the midst of crisis. And I think there are all things that we're doing and, and that somehow we'll be better for it. To me, that does apply to retired clients, even if it's just helping them communicate that to their kids or their grandkids, you know, what they've learned, I think could be really powerful. I think that, again, it's just an interesting time. You know, for me, it's the ability to support people is, and, and I'm sure for most of our listeners, I mean, that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. I had an advisor say to me not long ago, there are times when you make your money and there are times when you earn your yes. money. And this is you're one of the, the right times now. when <laughs> you're, well, you're definitely earning it. And yeah. so, you know, for all of our listeners, just know that you're not out there alone. There are a lot of us fighting that good fight. Julie, as we wrap up, I'm curious if you could give me just a couple of bullet points on what the power of engagement is for the client mm -hmm. and then what the power of it is or the benefit for both for the client and for the advisor. Absolutely. When we do the things that drive engagement in a business, we do what's right for clients because they are more confident in their financial future. They have a greater sense of security and control. And that is a gift, I think, that we can give to people. And at the same time, it ensures that they are more loyal, that they understand and value the advice that you deliver, that they increase share of wallet, and that they advocate on your behalf. It's a bit of a classic win-win in that sense. Well, I think that there's no better way for us to wrap up than with that. I mean, I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. So 
for listeners, if you've hung on this long, I mean, that's where it's at. It is the ability to give, uh, I think, Julie, you said security, kind of comfort and control, to give that back to clients right now. And, and in exchange, by driving that kind of engagement, we get clients that are loyal, more willing to refer, and who are appreciative of the value. You know, all those things that Julie talked about earlier, you know, less price sensitivity, more confidence. And I think that's really, you know, Julie, this is a time for us to be able to do that mm-hmm. for people. And so I know that others like me are excited about, it's not easy, but you're excited about having the, the opportunity. You need to pat yourselves on the back because we talk a lot about frontline people in this crisis. And I have so much respect for the work that advisors are doing right now. I appreciate that. Julie, if uh, folks want to get in touch with you, ask more questions, find out how they could better engage their clients, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? I think our website at absoluteengagement.com is easiest. Our You can link to the blog there, which is where we share all of our current research and ideas. So it's, it's always the best way to tap into to what's current. That's awesome. Well, Julie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, if you're listening to this and you have, like me, had some aha moments uh, about things that you need to be doing different, I would encourage you to go. And uh, I've been a big fan of Julie and her podcast and her blog for a long time. I'm a subscriber on her email list. So I would certainly encourage you to go and check that out. Whenever you're listening to this, whether it's still during the shutdown or, or whatever we want to call it, or if times have improved and we can all go out and roam, maybe you can go to the movies or the mall again, I would encourage you to keep fighting the good fight. I, I don't think the things that Julie talked about today are going to change. They just feel a lot different right now. So I encourage you, whenever you're listening to this, to take up your arms and to get out there and be a leader for your clients. I look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. I'll be back at you again real soon. To download what we believe is the single most important marketing, selling, and positioning tool for your practice, go to MaximumAdvisor.com scorecard now. Join the conversation in our private Maximum Advisor Facebook group. And subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts or at MaximumAdvisor.com.